You're listening to Jet Nation Radio, the official podcast of JetNation.com. The largest independent fan site in the NFL. Be sure to check out our forums and talk all things Jets with thousands of other diehard Jets fans. Now, to get you up to date on all the latest Jets news, notes, and quotes, here are your hosts, Dylan Terriman and Alex Barallo. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another episode of Jet Nation Radio. This is your host, Alex Barallo, joined by my uh, fellow host, Dylan Terriman. Dylan, how are we doing tonight, bud? Doing well. It was uh, a wacky week for the Jets from start to finish, and they they stepped up, coaches included, and they came away with a victory, one that we thought should have been a victory but was a little closer than we thought, came down to the final play. But hats off to Ron Middleton and the boys because they got it done. Absolutely. Uh, you know, everybody, you know, obviously that's, tuned into the heartbeat of this team knows that we have been ravaged with injuries and COVID is playing spoiler amongst many teams. And we were pretty much down to where we were probably going to have to have tryouts in the parking lot and pick whoever was the fastest or strongest to go out there and play. Uh, But yeah, the jets against all odds go in uh, against Jacksonville at home and find a way to pull a W. So uh, very excited to talk about our fourth win of the season. Uh, the Jets beat uh, Jacksonville, I believe it was 26 to 21. Um, I did have some uh, notes that said otherwise. Thank God Dylan uh, proofreads my stuff. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm very excited to uh, break down a Jets win, and, you know, let's take our time with this one because we don't get many of these. So, uh, Dylan, why don't you just kind of start it off and, you know, tell us how you felt about, you know, how the game went and, um, you know, if there was any players that stood out to you from this game. I mean, there was a lot of names out there that we were not familiar with, um, and we could probably do a three-hour show talking about everybody. But, yeah, what stood out to you from last uh, Sunday's game? Yeah, it was it was quite a weird one. I had to reference the roster sheet numerous times to figure out who was assigned what jersey number. We had players like Freedom, Akin, Modolin wearing number 61 on the defensive line. And we saw uh, Safety wearing number one and Kai Nakua. So it was very weird seeing these numbers out on defense, but playing, you know, significant roles. And uh, But I'll start on the offense. I think Zach Wilson had – you know, another good performance. I'm not going to say great. It's up there with some of his better performances on the year. He only had 102 passing yards, but he completed 14 of 22. He didn't throw any interceptions, and he showed the off-script athleticism that we've seen at BYU. He was able to scramble. You know, he got out of the pocket numerous times. He had four rushes for 91 yards and the touchdown obviously was the big one, the 52-yarder, but he he showed something that we hadn't seen from him yet this year, and that's taking that that, that 10-yard run and turning it into a 25-yard run, and we saw him do exactly that, tight roping down the sidelines. So it was a good game for him as far as, you know, running the ball. He wasn't, you know, 
making bad decisions uh, passing the ball. He had a few close call interceptions, the one where George Fant played absolute hero ball. And, you know, not only did he take out a defensive lineman, but then he swatted the pass away and made sure the defender couldn't come down with it. So, you know, Wilson had, you know, I would say a good game, not a great game, but definitely a good one. Um, I think Michael Carter had one of his best games of the season, a hundred yards on the game, uh, 118 yards on the day, excuse me, first, uh, hundred yard game of his career. And the first time since late last year that the Jets had a 100 yard rusher. So that's good to see. He had 7.3 yards per carry. He had another explosive run for 38 yards that got him inside the 10. Kevin Coleman, his running mate also did really well. I believe he ended with 57 yards. He had also a couple good uh, kick returns, set us up at like between the 30 and 40 yard line on a lot of these plays. Braxton Berrios, he was another, you know, clutch performer this week with all the injuries at wide receiver. I had him down for 48 snaps, which is 83% of the offense, which is by far his biggest output of the year. He had two clutch third down catches and the kick return, which I think after he touched the 32-yard line, he was gone. Nobody touched him. It was, you know, smooth sailing. The sea parted for him. It was great. And then, you know, the downside on offense, of course, we're going to have to look at Denzel Mims because with all these injuries at wide receiver, he still only got one target, ended up running out of bounds and becoming ineligible on a key fourth down play where the pass was thrown to him. So, you know, you want to see him break out of this mental funk or whatever he has going on. Um, And then in the red zone, they were one for four um, for the day, which they had a fake field goal, which I'm assuming counts towards that. So it could have been a little bit better. And then third down, they ended four for 12. So not great, but, you know, a win is a win, and we'll take ugly wins even if, if that's what we have here. And then on defense, Somebody I really wanted to highlight was Jason Pinnock. He had his biggest day of the season. He played 70 snaps, which was 96%. I think it was all but three snaps he wasn't on the field for. He made a really heads-up tackle, really good heads-up tackle on Lawrence early on in the first drive and then forced a fumble at the goal line. Unfortunately, their offensive lineman recovered it, but it was still a really good play. And then he had a deep uh, pass breakup against Marvin Jones, which I thought was clutch. And then mm-hmm. the other safety, Will Parks, he played 63% or 63 snaps, which is 86% after being signed earlier this week. I think that's just a testament to uh, not only him, but just some of these players around the league that, you know, get their opportunity and really make the most of it. He has some pretty good plays, another pass breakup against Marvin Jones deep. And uh, I thought he, you know, he made some really good tackles and, and proved that, He's somebody that they can, you know, lean on for these last two games at least. And then I thought C.J. Mosley, he was, you know, the do-it-all player. He had a near interception to seal the game. A big uh, forced fumble on his sack, which was the only sack the team got. I thought he was all over the place. I think he had double-digit tackles yet again this season. So just, you know, another all-world performance for for C.J. Mosley. And then defensively, I just wanted to – say that they kind of got some help from the the clock management of the Jaguars on that last drive but you know Mm -hmm. when when push came to shove they made that final play and special teams I think all in all they did really well aside from the Berrios uh, kick return Braden Mann only had one punt for 55 yards 
that I believe was downed inside the 20, so that's always good. And Pinheiro, he did miss his first uh, extra point of the day. I believe it was blocked. But then he went five for five, or four for four, rather, for the rest of the day. So special teams continues to start trending upward. You know, defense showed up today. Offense showed up today. It was a – or Sunday, rather. It was a full all all-phases effort. And I think Ron Middleton should get a lot of credit for really rallying these boys with – you know, 20 plus names on the COVID list. Down there, Dylan. Uh, you know, when I was looking through some of the statistics um, earlier today, uh, you know, it's something that I have mentioned numerous times throughout this season uh, that I feel that needs to be a big part of the game plan uh, week in and week out. And that's finding a way to protect the football, run the ball, control the clock, and minimize your turnovers. And that's kind of what we saw this weekend. Uh, The Jets dialed up the run, I want to say, 37 times, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, they put 273 yards down on the ground. Uh, Now, obviously, you're not going to be able to run for 200-plus yards every single game. But uh, you should, you know, put your uh, best effort into trying to do so because you can see – the difference in a game to where we're not giving, you know, the game on a silver platter back to our opponent. Um, Zach did not have to do a whole lot, 22 attempts, only 14 completions. Um, finds a touchdown to Connor McDermott, the big guy. Uh, I don't think anybody saw that coming. Um, you know, and, and I'm looking at everybody, you know, when they were jumping on top of him, and I'm like, who the heck caught that ball? And uh, I wasn't too sure. And then when I saw him come up, I said, wow. You know, what a great play. Uh, what a great moment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, being that, you know, most people seem to think that teams tank it at this point. They they mail it in and, and they don't want to, you know, continue to compete. And, you know, what some people uh, may not realize is that a lot of these players realize that they're not going to be on this team next year. So, you know, they have to put out their best effort uh, so that other teams can look at these games and say, okay, you know, week 16, you know, this player that's now available uh, in free agency was playing some good ball. So, uh, you know, players that we may not even think twice about, you know, were out there um, being observed by other teams. So I'm glad to see that the Jets are still trying to do whatever they can to try to win games. Um, you know, I'm not concerned about draft picks at this point. You know, wherever our picks go, you know, that that's our fate for the 2022 season. I'm not going to get too worked up about, you know, a late December win with a struggling team. And, you know, at the end of the day, we need to see some sort of progress with Zach Wilson and the younger players on this team. And I do feel that we saw a lot of that with a lot of young players. You know, Zach, with that 52-yard run, um, did a little tightrope action down the sideline. Uh, just a lot of fun. Um, glad to see that, you know, this kid does have the ability to, you know, make a play with his feet. It's definitely not something that we want to see him do on a consistent basis. But, you know, every now and again, um, the kid can scoot. And as long as he stays healthy, I'm okay with it. Um, you know, I think about, you know, what you said about Jason Pinnock. And he's been, you know, in situations to where maybe he was a little bit out of uh, his comfort zone playing in those dime and, and, uh, you know, uh, cover three or cover four, you know, 
style defenses and he almost looked a little bit out of position over the last few weeks finding himself getting penalized a few times and it just looked like he was frustrated and and um you know things just were not looking very promising with him and due to this pandemic and the depletion of players at the safety position to see a corner come into a safety's role and hold his own you know we were going up against the stinky Jacksonville Jaguars you know probably the second worst team in the league if I'm not mistaken so um you know will we see the same performance uh maybe next week going up against Tampa I'm not sure I would say not but I'm glad that he has something to build on from this game going into this week and who knows we may be seeing you know, Pinnock again playing in that safety role. I'm not sure if this is going to be some, you know, foreshadowing to the, what we may see going on to next year, but I do like what he brings to the table. That hit that he had on Marvin Jones, I mean, you could probably have heard that in the last row in the stadium uh, in the upper deck. Uh, he really, really uh, mm-hmm. laid the wood there, as they say. And uh, with that kind of intensity, that mentality, that's kind of the old school kind of Jets defense of, you know, things that we've seen, and, and we definitely want to see more of that moving forward. So I'm glad that some of these younger players, you know, had the opportunity to, to go out and stand out and uh, really, really impressed with players like uh, Braxton Berrios um, being able to contribute on the special teams side that kick return was explosive and a lot of fun. You know, he ends up, you know, not great numbers, five receptions, 37 yards. That was the best receiving totals of the day. He had a couple carries too. So seeing our, basically our number five wide receiver coming up and, and making plays and getting into the end zone, that's kind of how we needed things to play out in order to pull this win. So, you know, Braxton Berrios was definitely, one of the key factors on, on the Jets pulling a win. Uh, furthermore, you know, the Jets defense showing up uh, and making some plays. A little scary. They got right down to the one-yard line with a minute left, uh, but the Jets hold on tight. They find a way to win. Uh, have to be happy for this team uh, and the coaching staff, being that Sala was out with COVID and Middleton coming in uh, in a pinch. And, uh, you know, Hold, you know, just not just being a placeholder, but you know, helping this team, you know, get a get a victory. So, you know, everybody um, needs to get credit for this one here, and I'm um, just happy for this team that they're still going out there and um, and doing, you know, fighting and and not giving up more or less is what I'm trying to say here. And uh, we have a tough opponent coming up. With Tampa Bay, uh, who knows if the Jets will get lucky. Uh, They are playoff bound, so maybe this is going to be more of like a preseason game for them where the starters come out in the first quarter and then we're looking at the second and third string guys uh, for the remainder of the game. Uh, I I don't know if the Jets roster right now can compete with the second string version of the Tampa Bay Bucks, but, you know, we will definitely see um, our old buddy Todd uh, Bowles will be back uh, in that life. So, you know, I'm sure he has uh, some crazy defensive packages that he's looking to throw at the young quarterback, um, you know, try to get his uh, little piece of revenge. So uh, while we're talking about, you know, this upcoming game and everything like that, I want to take a moment just to 
uh, review some of the transaction news and the injuries that have been going on. Uh, unfortunately, we have a couple more players going on to the IR. Uh, Connor McGovern has been placed on the IR. He's our starting center. So I assume that Dan Feeney will be taking over. Mm-hmm. Trayvon Wesco, his knee got injured. He's going on the IR. Um, Elijah Riley, another injury at safety. He's in concussion protocol. Um, Elijah Moore, not sure. He was having a quad injury, found himself on the COVID list. You know, more details to follow for him. Crowder was unable to play last week. Uh, He's been dealing with a calf injury. Not too sure what his status is. You know, something we'll have to keep an eye and ear on as we get closer to Sunday. And then I think the biggest news um, is probably Makai Becton being shut down for the season. We talked about this. Uh, Dylan, and we we, uh, had a little roundtable discussion with Green Bean as well. I think we all kind of agreed that it's not really, really smart to throw, you know, a first-round pick, uh, a bookend, left tackle, not at 100% health into a uh, pitiful season that the Jets have been in. So it looks like he's going to be inactive for the remainder of the year. Hopefully he gets healthy and, you know, can rehab and come back 100% next year. Also, um, outside of football, looks like he's going to be a father in 2022. So uh, congratulations to the Becton family. Um, Good Mm -hmm. stuff over there for them. Um, I think there were some other players that popped on the COVID list just uh, within the last few hours, Dylan. I believe you told me Jared Davis joined the list, and I think just recently – there was some more news. Um, do you have that info? Yeah, I have it all right here. I can run it down. Uh, yeah, they placed Jared Davis on the COVID-19 list, and they also placed Isaiah Williams on the practice squad COVID-19 list. He came in in a pinch when Feeney got hurt and had to – or when McGovern got hurt and Feeney moved to center, they had put uh, Isaiah Williams in for a couple snaps. So they – Elevated a few guys, I believe Ross Pierschbacher and Drew Samia were elevated this week as uh, protected players from from the practice squad. So it looks like they're getting really depleted at offensive line depth. And then players that they're expecting back from the COVID-19 list are Tanzel Smart, who is one of those protected players, uh, Foley Fatukasi, Lamar Jackson, John Franklin Myers, Noah Dawkins, Thompson Nasruddin, Kenny Yaboa, and then Sherrod Neesman, Michael Carter II, and Ashton Davis. Those last three names may come back this week, but it looks like the top, uh, the first seven names should come back this week. So it looks like the Jets will be getting some reinforcements. That's very good, and we need all the help that we can get, especially big players like Fadu Kasi, Franklin Myers, um, even, you know, Noah Dawkins and, and Hamsa, you know, these guys that can contribute to special teams. And, you know, Sherrod Neesman has come and made plays out of the safety position, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with Riley's situation, uh, really, really not not knowing what's going on there and how this is all going to pan out. And clearly Davis and Carter are coming into the fold for the defensive secondary is, is also clutch. So we definitely need – at least half of the guys that you mentioned to come to be active. Uh, again, I don't 
feel like we are going to be coming out with with a win, but I also don't want to be tuning out the Jets by halftime and, and seeing, you know, Tom Brady and company with, you know, 24 to 30 points at the half. Um, and mm-hmm. we just want to keep things within arm's reach uh, before things more than likely unravel and, and get out of control. Uh, you know, this Tampa Bay team that we're going to be seeing here, uh, you know, they, they are, they have their eyesight on the Lombardi trophy and, and, you know, mm-hmm. they're, they're a team that's on a vision quest at this point. So uh, at this point, you know, maybe the Jets get lucky and uh, they decide to bench some of their starters, like I had mentioned, and the game's a little bit more competitive than we anticipate. But uh, knowing uh, the competitiveness of Brady and, uh, you know, Todd Bowles looking to get a little revenge here, uh, I don't anticipate, you know, the Jets getting any, uh, you know, help from from the Buccaneers. And uh, I do believe, was it Glenn or possibly you that also had mentioned that Bruce Arians, their head coach, is on the COVID-19 list, so yeah, looks like yep. uh, could be Todd Bowles stepping into to doing head coach duties uh, against his former team. Wouldn't that be ironic? <laughs> Wouldn't that and, be something, uh, right? You and, know, uh, in in coach news though, pos- <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it it all writes itself. In, in positive coach news though, the Jets should be getting Rob Sala back. I forgot this in my injury rundown. Sala yeah, should yeah. be back in the building Tuesday or Wednesday, depending on his test. But he said everything's been trending the right way. He feels great, and I just want to give him a shout out because he was isolated in a hotel room for the last week plus, and he wasn't able to see his family on Christmas and throughout the entire holiday. Mm. So I think it's a big testament to what these guys go through in like a non-normal situation that he couldn't even see his family. And I feel like people don't really, they overlook that aspect of it, the human aspect of it, that these guys are just humans too, and they have families to go home to. So it's nice that he'll be getting out of his hotel room and back with his family. Absolutely there, Dylan. Uh, We, we often forget that outside of, uh, you know, the football world that these guys are just human beings, just like you and I, and, you know, they go through the same hardships that we do in certain circumstances. So uh, that can't be easy, especially during, uh, you know, this joyous time of the year, uh, you know, family uh, means most for certain people. So uh, glad to hear that our coach will, you know, hopefully be coming back unscathed and, uh, you know, hopefully moving forward, you know, we can, we'll continue to see less and less news uh, with our team and with teams across the NFL here. Uh, this has just been really, really hard to keep up with all the changes. And I know that there's a lot of talk about the protocols that are in place right now. And there's articles that are coming out and players are being more vocal about how things are being handled. And I'm sure, you know, It'll all sort, you know, all this stuff will surface soon, and and hopefully going into the 2022 season, uh, there will be ways to uh, make this easier so that more teams are, or more players are available. Because, uh, uh, you know, we're, I you know, made a joke um, in our uh, chat room, you know, and saying, you know, we could be seeing practice squad guys in the Super Bowl if it continues this way, and and hopefully uh, doesn't happen. So. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, I want to take a moment here 
to mention our sponsor, Mile Social. Uh, forgot to do our plug there. So uh, if you're a business owner and you're looking to improve your company's social media status, uh, please go to milesocial.com and see what they can do for your company. Uh, and that is M-I-L-E-S-O-C-I-A-L.com, milesocial.com. All right, Dylan, so we've gone through some of the transaction news. We've recapped some of the game here. Uh, we've talked about certain players that stood out. And uh, I'd like to get a little bit of conversation going in regards to Denzel Mims. Uh, he's been a player that has been talked about all season long. Um, I'd like to get into some uh, conversation about him and his status and what's going on. I also want to talk a little bit about Zach Wilson and some of the struggles that he's had this year and, and you know, our honest opinions on what we think he needs to work on uh, for the 2022 season. Uh, but before we go into that, um, I, I have to say this, um, you know, a lot of people were talking about uh, the play of C.J. Mosley and, you know, whether or not he was going to be coming back and, and what would his play be like. I must say, uh, pleasure to watch, you know, this season, even though it's a down year, um, and over the last recent weeks, he finds himself again with 10 tackle, 10 plus tackles in this game, a sack, and almost a game-winning interception uh, in that final minute of the game against Jacksonville. He has just been playing, you know, like a man on fire. And uh, I know that people like to talk about, you know, salary cap, and they like to talk about, you know, who we could cut and save this and save that. From what I've seen on this team here, I don't think the Jets can afford to lose a C.J. Mosley at this point. And even though he is one of the highest-paid linebackers in the league, I think we are getting our money's worth out of him. And I hope that, you know, he's in the future plans. And I'm not sure what your your opinion is. Um, you know, feel free to chime in if you want, Dylan. But I've been very, very excited about, you know, his play. And I look forward to seeing what C.J. Mosley can do with some more athletic linebackers in 2022 a Carl Lawson and possibly another pass rusher to add to it. Uh, you know, we are not seeing the potential of Robert Sala's defense. And I think if you get more talent around Mosley, I think the sky's the limit. Um, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I'm pretty much in lockstep with the, with you there. The contract is one thing. I mean, we all knew when it was signed that it was, you know, a very lucrative deal, especially for linebackers that aren't off the edge, interior linebackers. But this year specifically, obviously, he had the the injury in his first season, and then he opted out due to COVID, which does alter his contract a little bit. But I think this year specifically, he's worth the money. I'm looking at his uh, game logs right now. He has 14 games on the season, so he's played all but one. And he has eight or more tackles in 12 of those 14 games. So he's literally all over the field, double-digit tackles in the last four games in a row. He had the forced fumble that we talked about, the sack, and the near pick. He's playing 100% of snaps on basically every single game. He played 94% of snaps in the first week against Carolina. So he's not one that 
you know, faces injuries. He had that groin injury in 2019, but it wasn't a, a very, um, you know, common thing for Mosley to be injured and miss a lot of time. So for him to miss one game and be that veteran guy in the middle, he, he literally gets guys in position. We've seen it on film. You go back and watch the All-22, especially earlier in September and October, and he's pointing at five different players and telling them where to go and what to do. So I think he's one of those – I'm not going to say he's a blue-chip player, but he's he's a blue-chip locker room player because he's always going to like hold the team together. He's going to also hold them accountable for their mistakes and, and try to get the best out of them each and every week. So – yeah, I agree. The money, you know, it's it's one thing, and it can be, you know, restructured if Joe Douglas decides to do that later on down the road. But right now, C.J. Mosley is, is too good to let go. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I'm just looking through the game logs myself right here, and I, I just counted up. Nine out of the 14 games he's competed in, he's had double-digit uh, numbers in the tackle department. So crazy. the – the work that he did in the off season, losing a little bit of weight so that he could be that sideline to sideline player. Uh, it clearly has worked. And, uh, you know, I know a lot of these guys, they focus in on, you know, creating new diets and workout regimens so that, you know, their bodies can recover and be healthier and, and produce at a higher level. And, you know, for a guy that's been in the league, you know, quite a bit of time right now and he's uh going into his seventh season you know 29 years old a lot of guys start slowing down at the moment cj mosley does not look like he's slowing down in the slightest bit so um definitely very excited about his play this year and had to give him a little bit of a mention uh, almost had himself as the uh probably the uh the, the player of the day if he came down with that interception but uh good stuff from from his corner so Dylan, let's uh, migrate and let's go into this conversation about, you know, Denzel Mims and, and his struggles from this year. This stuff started all the way back in, in early August of training camp with all the guys from the beat, you know, tweeting and writing articles about his depth position. And he's working with the twos and threes and fours as far as the depth position was concerned. And a lot of people seem to be alarmed the fact that he was not getting uh, – you know, a lot of reps with the starters and, you know, from what we've seen, you know, when he, when he's not injured and not available, we've seen very, very limited snap count. We've seen some plays where he has had some mental errors causing penalties. He's had some focus drops. Uh, you know, some people seem to think that that end zone play, uh, that he should have caught the ball. Some people felt that the flag should have been thrown for passing interference. Uh, you know, it depends on what side of the, you know, the spectrum here you you fall with your Denzel Mims. So, you know, if you're a pro Denzel Mims, you feel like, okay, maybe that flag should have been thrown. If you're not, you're probably one of those people that said he should have caught that ball. Uh, you know, I, I was to hear Robert Sala say that they still have faith in him. I was uh, happy to say that, you know, the story on Denzel Mims hasn't even been written yet. Uh, so, you know, we'll see if, if those state that statement that he made carries weight into next season. Obviously, if the Jets part ways, then we know that it's all coach speak. But if they do decide to keep him, you know, you've invested a second-round pick into him. He, I feel that he still has a lot of talent, and his skill set can be utilized in some sort of manner. 
Uh, it's just a matter of what can he do now to the beginning of next season to prove that to himself, to his coaches, and, and start producing when he gets on the field. So my, my question to you, Dylan, uh, is how do you feel about the future of Denzel Mims? And if you had to critique him, what do you think he needs to do to improve his, his game or his level of play to make himself more relevant in this offense? Yeah, yeah. I want to reference first Salah's quote about Mims because I thought his answer was pretty good and also somewhat telling at the same time. He said that Denzel is not the first second-year player to struggle in the NFL. And then he referenced how Zach Wilson mentioned that it feels like his college season has never ended because he went straight into combine training and draft process and then immediately into summer OTAs with the Jets. And he said that a lot of rookies come in and then they get into their first off season. So for Denzel Mims, that was this past summer. And he said, sometimes Mm -hmm. they decompress, they decompress and forget what got them there. And he calls it getting lost in their off season. But then he said all that and then said, well, that's not what Denzel did, but it made it seem like if he brought it up referencing Denzel Mims's question, doesn't it seem like Denzel Mims had a little bit of getting lost in his off season to his, you know, story. So that that's a little bit telling to me. I do think a little bit like of his struggles are mental. I think we've seen the physicality and the traits on, on film, whether at Baylor or last year in, in, you know, Gase's offense, we saw what he can do putting up 15 yards of carry. And Sala even said he has speed, length, and power, and he has the ability to finish strong these last two weeks. That being said, I'm not exactly sure what Denzel Mims can do from, you know, an availability aspect because he's getting all the, the, the reps that he needs to make a difference, um, especially the last few weeks with all these wide receiver injuries. It's, it's been pretty nuts. And, you know, Denzel has had all these opportunities. I think he's had three, three targets in the last four games or something like that. Yeah, so six targets in the last three games, zero catches. He hasn't caught a pass since the Eagles game where he had one catch for four yards. So, you know, he's playing 20-plus, 30-plus reps, 40%, 50% of the snaps each game. So his availability is there. It's just <clears throat> I believe something has to do with his mental, you know, I don't know if he's psyched himself out into thinking, you know, he was a second-round pick, so maybe he he deserves a higher spot on the depth chart and he doesn't feel he needs to work for it. Um, you know, it's it's a lot of things that are behind the scenes with Denzel Mims that make it really hard to evaluate and just based off the numbers, you can obviously tell that something is not right. And I don't want to say they're putting him in the doghouse because they speak so highly of him, but at the end of the mm-hmm. day, he could be, he could be traded in early March. And like you said, it could all be coach speak. So yeah, for absolutely. me, for me, for me, I, I think you got to ride the wave. I was a, a guy that when he was drafted, I was, you know, very happy. I went out and I, I got his rookie autograph football card and, you know, I was really excited for what he could bring to the offense. So I think if they're going to practice patience, he's a guy that is worth doing it for because he has all the physical ability to be an NFL receiver. Yeah. I, I mean, when you think about certain players in the league, like bigger players, 
that, you know, are becoming faster and, and changing kind of the aspect of what a bigger wide receiver will do. You know, you look at players like, you know, Chase Claypool and DK Metcalf and Donovan Peoples-Jones. And, uh, you know, I, I think of Denzel Mims as, as one of those guys, you know, I think he's around, you know, 6'3 or something like that. And, you know, he may not have the physical build as some of the players that I that I uh, had mentioned, but the narrative with the bigger wide receivers is, oh, you got to convert them to tight ends because they're too slow or, you know, they're not good route runners or they're not athletic enough. And I do feel that uh, Denzel checks all a lot of these boxes here, but I think you brought up a very good point because uh, I was kind of zeroing down and looking at some of, the plays not from this weekend but the previous game uh, and just seeing the way that, you know, he was lining up, seeing the way that he was coming out of his breaks with his routes and things like that. And it does seem like there's a lot going on upstairs and not enough just going off of, you know, physical talent or just God-given ability. And I, I think that that's what the players have to remember is that, you know, the the biggest enemy that you're going to have is the man in the mirror. So if there's any sense of doubt in the mind or if there's any mm-hmm. sort of skepticalness, you know, that will affect your play. Uh, you know, especially if you have a player, uh, you know, defensively that, you know, likes to trash talk and, and, and get in your head and, you know, uh, can can get you off your, your game per se. Uh, you know, that kind of stuff can affect the player player's ability to perform well and I think that a lot of what's going on right now is is just what's upstairs I think he's trying to process too much and trying to you know taking everything and saying okay like this is the play that you know I need to to make something happen just go out there and play ball uh get loose uh you know there are players out there that are having fun with this thing no reason for Mims not to be one of them so you know, for his off season, you know, my recommendation for him is is take your playbook and put it in your back pocket. Never leave home without it. Uh, read that thing everything every night before you go to bed, so you're dreaming about it. And you know, when you come back next year, you know, spend time working on the the minor details of you know how to beat man coverage, how to get through zone coverage. Study a little bit more film. You know try to hook up with some of your guys in the off season to develop more chemistry with Zach Wilson and, and those things. Uh, I think that that will help him take that next step next season. Um, just kind of doing some of the smaller things and then that will cr- lead to bigger plays and, and more production uh, for his future. So I'm not ready to uh, give up on him. I've already, heard some people throw the word bust around you know at this point some players just take a little bit more time to develop did I anticipate that with him absolutely not but this is where we are and uh, some players just need a little bit more patience than others uh, but it, you know if it's a different thing where there's an attitude or there's an ego that that we're not seeing uh, because we have you know had players come in that have egos and we don't see them because we're not, you know, there inside the locker room and seeing how they affect other people. Uh, I'm not sure if this is one of those cases. I, I don't think it is, but uh, clearly, you know, if the Jets 
do happen to part ways in the off season, then we'll know that there was probably a lot more going on than than we even realized. So, yeah, I'm uh, I'm kind of hoping that he does get a little bit more opportunities because you know there's a lot of players one year show me deals, and I kind of feel that if we want to see something within these next two weeks, now's the time. So hopefully his snap count goes up a little bit. Uh, you know, he did have nothing more than 23 snaps, you know, from week 15 to week 13, he had 23, then 22, then 21. This past week he had 32, which makes 55% of the snaps on offense. So halfway there, um, you know, we do realize there's a lot of, personnel changes going on that probably forces him to come in and out of the lineup at certain times when they're trying to do certain things. Mm-hmm. Clearly the Jets had more running personnel having run the ball 37 times this, this past weekend. So uh, definitely looking forward and intrigued to see more production coming from Denzel Mims. I'm, I'm just not one of the people that are ready to, uh, to give up on the young man. Any last Definitely thoughts not. before we move on to the next uh, topic, Joe? Yeah, I, I have two quick thoughts. Um, according to Pro Football Reference, Denzel Mims is 247th on the list of targets with only 21 this year. So mm. he has nowhere to go but up. And I'm just – my phone is absolutely blowing up right now, and it looks like um, the NFL announced that John Madden has passed away this morning at 85 years old. So as, oh, well, as a young kid, now. yeah, as a young kid who's only 26, the the video game itself is older than me, and I can't remember not playing that game. So, you know, he's he's been a part of my life longer than I thought, and it's really sad to see him go. They said it was unexpected, so just wanted to pass that news wow. on. That's so unfortunate. Um, clearly, a a massive legend in this game and uh, I think they just created like a uh, a little documentary about him too so what timing my god Um, clearly very very unfortunate news here this is a guy that pretty much put the blueprint out there um, on how to be a dominant football coach too Um, he will most certainly be missed and Wow, wow, wow. This is uh, pretty pretty shocking here. I, I don't have a lot of words that come to mind. I'm, I'm kind of getting this little chill down my spine reading some of the tweets and things that are coming out right now in, mm-hmm. in relation to this news. And um, like you said, I mean, good God, when you think about football and you think about video games and everything like that, that's the first thing that you think of is, is Madden football and uh, just everything that he's brought into this game and Man, that, that, that's an unfortunate loss for, for the entire league here. Um, I'm sure that there will probably be a lot uh, going into these games for this upcoming weekend um, in regards to reflect on all the great things that he's done with his life. So uh, our thoughts Absolutely. and prayers go out to the Madden family, and that's a, mm-hmm. a huge loss for the NFL, very unfortunate. All right, Dylan, so uh, we do have another co- topic of conversation that I'd like to get into and uh, this is, uh, you know, we're going to take a little time just to talk about Zach Wilson, and we're going to critique critique him just for a little bit, um, and also talk about maybe some things 
that we think that he can do that can improve his game for the next season. Uh, one thing that I continue to hear from many analysts that study the film and do things like that, their biggest uh, concern with uh, Zach Wilson is number one, his mechanics, uh, mainly when, you know, under pressure and uh, reading the defense pre-snap doing, doing those things at the line of scrimmage. Uh, Those are the two things that I continue to hear most about. And I think that, you know, a lot of this probably has to do with the fact that, you know, we lost our quarterback coach earlier in the season and, uh, not having that guy in your corner to help you get through these things. Uh, so clearly I think that probably going to spend majority of his off season getting involved with quarterback guys that can, can help him work on the lower half of his body, getting that in tune with his upper half. And then uh, basically what he needs to do is, you know, glue himself to a veteran that can walk him through the film and, kind of just give them his, their perspective of, you know, this is what I'm seeing from the defense. This is where I would go with the ball and kind of just kind of walk him through and talk through plays and do things like that. Dylan, what do you think have been the main struggles for Zach Wilson this year? And, and what do you think his focus point should be uh, moving forward? Yeah, I think the the main struggle has definitely been his mechanics, especially earlier on. We've talked about it at at nauseum on this podcast with the top half matching the bottom half. He just doesn't look like he's in a comfortable position to throw a lot of times, and he's forcing a lot of arm strength throws that don't necessarily need to be there where he can just, you know, step a half step one way or the other, plant his feet and set and throw and make a nice complete pass. So I would definitely say his mechanics are the one thing that I've noticed throughout the year that have really bothered me while watching the games. But when it comes to reading the defenses, I'm going to kind of um, push back on that and, you know, support Zach. I think he's doing a good job of reading defenses, especially since he's come back from the injury. I think people don't realize that there's a huge difference between what the quarterback can see pre-snap versus post-snap. And I think defenses are finding that gray area with Zach where, the, the pre-snap and the post-snap are two completely different images, and that's where Zach's starting to get, you know, a little flustered and doesn't always make the proper play. But the other thing people need to realize, too, is that the Jets' offense, you know, compared to recent years, has, is very complex. This is something that is not suited well for rookie quarterbacks. And even if you look at the Packers' first year under – Michael Fleur's brother, Matt, Aaron Rodgers struggled in this system, learning all of the, the nuances and where to train your eyes to look. So I think Zach Wilson, you know, he's made strides in learning how to do all these things. So I would say with the reading defenses, it's more post-snap with him. The defenses will give him something pre-snap. He'll make a note of it and then go. And I feel like he's not adjusting mid-play to what he's seeing post-snap. And more often than not, Mm -hmm. Michael LaFleur is giving this kid two plays in the headset. So Zach Wilson is spitting out a bunch of words, which is two plays, and then he's getting in the huddle, looking at the defense, getting the protection, everybody right. He needs to make sure he knows his matchups, whether it's a half-field or a full-field read, because, yes, there's a lot of those in the NFL where if Zach 
likes the play concept against the coverage the defense is showing. You know, sometimes he may hold on to the ball a tick longer trying to, to get that explosive play because he knows that what they have dialed up can really, you know, get, get a big play. And sometimes, you know, it works. Sometimes it doesn't with him. And then also I feel like he might lock into his favorable matchups, which forces him to get through his read too quickly to get to that matchup. So he might see, mm-hmm. you know, man coverage on the right-hand side and two wide receivers with a little concept that he likes, and he'll, you know, maybe disregard the left side of the field, which in most offenses is a good thing, but then he's also getting too quick through his reads, and if he doesn't like it, he's moving on to something that if he just waited an extra second, it would be there. So it's, you know, very fine lines and gray areas. And that's why defensive players are paid, too, at the end of the day, because they need to get in the head of these quarterbacks. But in terms of the overall picture, you can tell week by week that he's getting better. His mechanics – excuse my dogs the, – the mechanics have looked a lot better. And the tempo at which he's playing in the offense has – it looks like the game has basically slowed down but it looks like he's playing faster at the same time. So you can tell that that injury really did him a benefit as far as going back, looking at the film, seeing what he was doing wrong. And now he's coming out and correcting it. He hasn't thrown an interception in three games. So he's making better decisions with Mm -hmm. the football. I believe he got strip sacked and it's not really his fault that McDermott's a better tight end than a left tackle. So, you know, a lot of (laughs) things are pointing upward with him. And I think these last two games, while he doesn't necessarily need to prove anything, he has that ability to go out and prove quite a bit against some substantial defenses moving forward. Good takes there, uh, Dylan. And, and yes, to give, you know, the fans a little bit of uh, you know, perspective on, on Zach Wilson's play, um, he's competed in 11 games this season. The first five games, he threw nine interceptions in those five games. So he was almost at a point to where he was at two interceptions per game. And then over these last six games, he's only had two interceptions. So significant difference. If you were to do a first half versus second half, uh, you know, analysis of his play, um, you know, clearly the completion percentage and the yards, nothing really jumps off the page to, you know, wow anybody from that type of perspective. But from what we have seen from the beginning to now looking toward the end, we have seen improvements in those areas. So he's found a way to turn the ball over significantly less. Uh, We would like to see the completion percentage and, you know, acquire some more uh, connections with his receivers, of course, but I also think that he does not look as frantic in the pocket as he did earlier in the year. Uh, you know, there was this this play that he mm-hmm. made a couple of weeks ago where, you know, he was spun left, spun right, scrambling this way, scrambling that way, throws across his body, finds Ryan Griffin for a big completion. Uh, he had a very, very similar play um, with that 52-yard scamper to where it looked like he was dead to rights for a sack and he becomes elusive, slips the tackle, and then just basically turns on the Jets and, uh, you know, makes a couple moves out in the field and uh, finds himself, you know, with probably one of the best highlights of, of the season with that 52-yard run. So, 
you know, we've seen some improvements in his game as far as being able to handle the pressure, not turn the ball over as much, and, you know, keep us in the fight. Uh, you know, I, I have to give credit um, to the offensive line for this past week, you know, being able to compile 273 yards and only a sack. I mean, you look at some of the other games um, mm-hmm. that we've had, you know, Miami, we let up six sacks. And, you know, you look at the beginning of the season, um, to start off the season, the Jets had let up 15 sacks in three games. Uh, the kid was just getting, you know, the snot beaten out of him throughout the first month of football. And it was those hits that compiled over and over and over again that led to him having to miss some time. So good to see that, you know, there's been a little bit better protection for the young man and he's found ways to, you know, get out of the pocket and and get out from being under duress and and then trying to make a play either with his feet or, you know, improv. So I do like some of the things that Zach has done over the last six games. Uh, They have not equated to a lot of wins. We do have a couple to hang our hat on, uh, but this was just supposed to be a year about making progress, developing young players, and just taking that step to get to the next level. Uh, You're going to look at the numbers at the end of the year for Zach Wilson statistically, and you might get a little nauseous. But if you take a look at the small sample size of the second half of the season for him, um, there has been some improvement in certain areas lost with our young prospect. I know that there were some people that are a little cranky and, and tired of seeing struggling quarterbacks in New York. Uh, just give it a little bit more time to try to be patient here. And, and let's, you know, do right by Zach Wilson and, uh, you know, stick to the process here because he, he's got a lot of arm talent and, you know, like you said, once the bottom half meets meets the top half and he starts getting his mechanics together and just being a little bit more relaxed, um, you know, he's got to develop a little bit more confidence uh, with how he feels about the offense going to certain players. Clearly it's hard to have a go-to guy when your receivers keep dropping, you know, off the roster sheet here. So mm-hmm. kudos to him being able to still make some plays even with in regards to the COVID situation and, and just, you know, Corey Davis and Elijah Moore and then Crowder not being available. It just, you know, one thing after another. And I'm just glad that he's still able to show some glimpses of positivity, even though there's a whole, you know, bunch of obstacles that we could have easily just said, well, you know, what do you expect from a young kid who's a rookie that hasn't been able to work with the same two or three or four guys throughout a consistent amount of time? Good to hear about that. Dylan, I'm taking a look at the clock here. Looks like we're right under the five-minute mark. Mm -hmm. Uh, Don't think we need to get too, too in-depth about what's going on with this Tampa Bay game. You know, they – have enough injuries of their own. They have their own COVID situation. The only information that I could get in in regards to their team and their status health-wise was from week 16. And, you know, Mike Evans and Anton Winfield was out last week. And, um, you know, Jason Pierre-Paul was not available. He's one of their pass rushers. Uh, Richard Sherman, uh, somebody we talked about in the offseason that the Jets should have acquired. Uh, he was questionable last week. 
Antonio Brown came back for them. He had himself a really, really good game. You know, when you look at this team, you know, you're going up against Gronk, Tom Brady, you know, possibly Mike Evans and Antonio Brown. Um, You know, people seem to forget about O.J. Howard and Cameron Bray just have not done very well against the tight ends. Even with some of the injuries that they had and the fact that we may be going up against their B squad, they still have a lot of firepower in this Tampa Bay team. And uh, I just cannot see a way how the Jets, you know, find a win here. You know, one of my notes, thoughts on winning the game, not a chance in hell. He's my French. Uh, but I figured, you know, we had to mention that <laughs> one. What are your thoughts on this, uh, Dylan? Um, you know, do we have a dog in the fight here? You you hope so, but it's unfortunate that it's not looking very likely. I was doing a little bit of uh, researching between talking, and I found out that their assistant head coach, Harold Goodwin, is going to take over for Bruce Arians if he can't coach on Sunday. Okay. Um, it looks like they added five names to their COVID list as well. So Mike Evans, um, he was included in that. They also put both their starting cornerbacks, Jamel Dean and Sean Murphy Bunting, on the COVID list. Uh, The CDC and now the NFL have revised their COVID rules, and it looks like a player can come back after five days instead of ten, regardless of vaccination Mm. status. So it looks like these five will have a chance to play on Sunday. Uh, I went back a little further, and late last week, They made a couple roster moves of note. They put Levante David and Leonard Fournette on the IR, so that officially will end their regular season. They'll be able to come back for them in the postseason. Uh, They also Mm. signed former Jets legend Le'Veon Bell to um, their active roster. He ended up having two carries for them on Sunday for negative one yards, and to to go pretty simple with the notes, I said it's probably going to be a slow, painful game like the Saints game, except worse. And it's Tom Brady, so you know it's going to be a death by <clears throat> thousand paper cuts. And I don't know if mm-hmm. uh, the Jets will necessarily, you know, have that dog in the fight like you wanted. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my God, you know, uh, it would have been interesting to see if it was Todd Bowles getting the nod. Um, yeah, I guess they hoping. didn't want to create too much drama, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, New York and the NFL loves drama. Looks like Tampa Bay is just looking to to go out here, come into New York, get their win, go back to Florida into their, you know, uh, 75 to 80 degree winter weather and, uh, you know, prepare for the off season because this mm-hmm. team looks like they're primed and ready to uh, to make another Super Bowl run here. Um, man, that would be really bizarre if Le'Veon Bell does anything in this game. I know that when we went up against him in Kansas City uh, last year, he pretty much did absolutely nothing. He was, We thought there was going to be some sparks mm-hmm. and some drama, but uh, I, I'm not too sure. Uh, they still have Ronald Jones, and they have uh, Keyshawn Vaughn, who or Keyshawn Vaughn, who had a big run last week. I think he had like a 50-yard yep. score in one play. So they do have some dynamic players. I think Vaughn is a little bit, you know, better in between the tackles, and, and Ronald Jones is more of a, uh, you know, can have complement 
in receiving and, and, you know, he can run between the tackles too. He was just somebody that I think that they were expecting a lot more from in Ronald Jones. Mm -hmm. And uh, the first couple seasons, he didn't look too hot, but he did seem okay last year. Uh, You know, looking at last season compared to this season, it really seems like they're much more comfortable with Leonard Fournette. He's got a Mm -hmm. hamstring thing, I think, going on and they shut him down about a week or two ago. And like you said, they're all going to be available for the postseason, And I guess you would have to anticipate that, you know, now is the time that you use the players that have fresh legs in your depth chart that can still yep. can help you contribute offensively and then save as much energy and, and limit those hits. And, and, you know, during these cold winter games for the teams that are ready to, to get after the Super Bowl run. And uh, that's what I kind of feel that the Tampa Bay uh, Bucks might be doing to us is they'll try to come after us, you know, hit us in the jugular, score quick, score fast, get that, you know, run up the scoreboard. And then probably in the second half, they'll be playing prevent defense and, you know, we'll be in garbage time and they'll be, you know, deploying a lot of their second and third string guys. So that could possibly be the way that this game pans out. I, you know, if I were to put something on this, I would, you know, I think I wrote 31 to nine Buccaneers. I don't know if the Jets are going to find themselves in in the uh, end zone this weekend. They do have a tough defense in Tampa. And, uh, you know, like I said, Todd Bowles will be looking to draw up a perfect uh, defensive scheme to go against a young quarterback. Uh, We do know that he has tendencies of being a little over aggressive. So, Maybe the Jets get lucky and they, they find themselves with a big play and they find themselves, you know, getting pay dirt. I, I can't tell you who it's going to be. Um, you know, maybe Connor McDermott again. I mean, at this point, who the hell <laughs> no, knows what, no, what this please, offense no. is going to do. Because, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, right now the distribution at the receiver department has just been pretty darn awful. Um and you, you can see that they're they're pulling everybody out in anybody who they can get. Maybe for this weekend, set your expectations rather low. And, um, you know, for those of you who may, will be attending the game, um, maybe the last time that you see Tom Brady in MetLife. So uh, this could Still be an running. opportunity to see a future Hall of Famer and legend, probably the best quarterback that we've ever seen. Um, mm-hmm. Any any last thoughts, Dylan, in regards to the game or or this week? And um, I, I forgot to ask you: Did you have a good weekend? Did you have a good Christmas? Was Santa kind to you? Oh yeah, I had had a great holiday weekend. I got plenty of gift cards to Home Depot that I've already spent on number oh, of tools. So so I'm excited to nice. you know break out all my new toys. How was yours? There you go. It was good. I think I tried over 20 different types of uh, Christmas cookies this past weekend. And, uh, mm. you know, I, I, after the show tonight, I'm, I'm going to have to get on the exercise bike and try to burn some of them off. Um, thank God we don't live like this every weekend because I would be 400 pounds and uh, extremely lazy. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we've, uh, you know, got the new year coming up. So New Year's resolutions for this team. Uh, let's make it simple. Let's be better than last year. So um, this is a good point for us to sign off here. Everybody, thank you for tuning in uh, to Jet Nation Radio. Please don't forget to go to JetNation.com, get involved in the forums, 
nonstop Jets conversation. Number one fan forum in the NFL is at JetNation.com. Download the app. It's completely free. And, uh, you know, don't forget to check out our YouTube scene with guys like Green Bean and Dylan, um, Dylan, oh my God, Glenn, who uh, is also putting out some content on the YouTube scene these days and uh, putting out numerous articles as well. So don't miss out. Get involved. You don't want to be that guy. Everybody, thank you for tuning in. Have a wonderful week. Good luck to the Jets. Everybody be safe for New Year's. Hope you have a good time. And uh, as always, everyone, let's go Jets. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Jet Nation Radio. Glenn is at AceFan23. And Alex is at NYJetsLife24. Until next time, go Jets! Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.